0: Welcome to Storytellers Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Cornell Thomas. This is the podcast where I get just some dope human beings on to share their unique stories about what made them who they are or who has helped make them who they are. Today, I am just honored to have my man, my brother from another mother, Drew Manning, with me today. Uh, Drew is a New York Times bestselling author, he's the number one keto diet, diet expert on the planet. He's an absolute beast. I was on his podcast before uh, and I just was like blown away by his mission and what he's doing. Uh, His book is called uh, Fit to Fat to Fit. And he's also, like I said, he's podcast host. I mean, this dude does everything. So I want to introduce you to Drew Manning. Drew, thank you so much for joining me today. Cornell, it's a pleasure, man. Thank you so much for having me on. Man, It's an honor. So Drew, like we were talking a little bit beforehand. I was saying that in our podcast, we just want some stories in your life that kind of help make you the human being that you are today. Uh, I think since the beginning of time, people have told stories and passed on history through stories. And I think there's so much power in it. So what, what can you think of back since you've been young to now? What are some particular stories that kind of you went through that you'll never forget that have helped shaped who Drew Manning is today? Yeah, that's a great question.
1: And I'm a big... Believer that
0: experiences
1: shape our beliefs, and so going through these stories or these experiences really shape who we are today. If you if you look back and you're like, you can totally connect the dots of like, hey, this happened, which led me here. Mm-hmm. This happened, which led me there. So, really quick story. I have a bunch of stories, so this is hard. <laughs> to I like can narrow it down to two, but the the big one is my fit to fat to fit story, which a lot of people have heard of. It's my journey of you know getting fat on purpose and and learning uh, so many valuable lessons as I gained 75 pounds in six months and then lost it again in six months. And I did this experiment on purpose to give me a better understanding of, of what it's like to be overweight for the first time in my life. So Mm -hmm. a little bit about the backstory though, that a lot of people don't know about is how I came up with this idea. So, um, I went to college and got a business degree and and ended up being a financial analyst for Chrysler Mm -hmm. and around 2006. So I had a nice cushy job working for a big, you know, uh, automaker uh, Chrysler is one of the big three here in the U S and, um, you know, worked for them for about a good three years. And then 2008 happened
0: mm-hmm.
1: and we all know what happened. Then I, uh, I lost my job. I took a buyout package. I was living uh, near Chicago, Illinois at the time. <clears throat> and me and my wife at the time were like, okay, well, what are We're gonna do like I I got this offer to leave the company, uh, which was nice. Instead of just getting laid off, I had a big uh, check in my account. Um, So I was like, all right, what am I gonna do? So well, her family is from Utah, Mm -hmm. so we end up moving to Utah. And I'm like, you know what? I got a good resume. I've worked for you know a Fortune 500 company. Uh, I'm pretty sure even though the economy is bad, I'll be able to find a job. Yeah. So for eight months, I was interviewing for a financial analyst position, and zero offers. It was mm. crazy because so many people with double the experience that I had were willing to take a pay cut to just to get a job, right? Mm. That's how bad it was. And so for from there, I had to pivot. I had to adjust. I'm like, okay, what am I going to do to feed my family? Well, what am I passionate about? I've always been into health and fitness. I played football and wrestling from a very young age, and I've always loved working out. So I was like, why don't I become certified as a trainer? So I mm-hmm. I paid the money to become certified as a personal trainer, and from there— here I was, someone who had never been overweight a day in my life, becoming certified as a trainer, trying to help people mm-hmm. who were overweight pretty much every day of their life. <laughs> yeah, and there was an obvious disconnect. And so I was thinking of ideas because one of my clients told me, "You know, Drew, you don't really understand what it's like to be overweight. Like you've had it so easy because it's been easy for you your whole life to be in shape. Mm-hmm. Like for us, it's really hard." And I took I took that to heart. And I was like, "You know what? You're right. I don't know. So what if?" I would come up with an experiment to find out, okay, just how hard it is. Mm. And, uh, you know, I, I, bit off more than I could chew <laughs> <in this situation laughs> where I was like, man, this is way harder than I ever imagined it would be. I was so humbled. My perspective totally changed and how this made me who I am today. Going through this experiment. Um, the biggest lesson I learned was how much of transformation is mental and emotional. Mm. So for me, empathy is the biggest thing I took away from this. And at mm. this world, especially the world we live in nowadays needs more empathy, Mm -hmm. more empathy in the fitness industry specifically, Mm -hmm. but, but coming out of this experiment with more empathy, more respect and a better understanding of those who struggle with their weight totally um, shifted my perception of what, what makes people successful in the health and fitness industry. Mm -hmm. think, Oh, it's getting shredded and, and losing weight and being skinny and, and that, but that's not really what people are looking for. Because if, if that were the case, people would be super happy once they get that body, right? Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it made me more of an empathetic, more of a understanding person versus who I used to be, which is more on the, I'd say, judgmental side. Mm-hmm. And there's more stories that go into that, but we don't have time for all of the stories. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but this is a big one. This is a yeah. big one for me going through this experiment, gaining 75 pounds. Losing my identity uh, a little bit, but then coming out of it with a whole new perspective and, and like I said, more empathy.
0: Yeah, you're, when I'm hearing you tell the story, one, I'm, I'm blown away by it because who the hell volunteers to gain 75 pounds, right? <laughs> like, that's the first thing. Like, who signs up for that shit? But, like, yeah. me and you have been talking, so I know that you're just a crazy person and, no, like, you know, understanding that you're <laughs> in the best way. Like, you're you yes. know, you a football and a wrestler. You know, you have that, that special mindset where there's a switch. And I do believe that all of us have it. Sometimes the switch is just hidden in people. And as a trainer, that's one of your jobs is to let them understand there's a switch they can turn on where, you know, they start to fight and start getting routines and good habits and start replacing the bad ones with good ones. But uh-huh. the one thing that you said that is the most powerful to me is the empathy part. And it literally, Drew, as you were saying empathy, I was writing empathy in my notebook. Uh because think about this in the fitness world, but like you said, think about this in all aspects. Think about this in terms of race, religion, you know, genders. I mean, the fact that you said, I'm going to pretty much be an investigative journalist (laughs) (laughs) and and change my body, can get completely outside of my comfort zone, just so I can understand my clientele, just so I can understand the humans I'm dealing with on a day-to-day basis is amazing to me. Like that blows me away. Um, and the other thing that you said that is, I, I knew this already about you, but the, the pivoting, right? Like, so you you have, and you hear a lot about this around that time of 2008 when the recession hits, you know, it can, it can go two ways there for you. You know, it doesn't matter mm-hmm. if you have money in the bank or not. You could have yeah. deep dived and said, you know, got depressed and said like, there's no way where I'm going to be able to figure something out. Or you can pivot and say, all right, well, what's next? Yeah. And I think that's another powerful thing. And again, going back, to a wrestler's mindset, you know, all the dudes that I've, I trained with that have got, have been wrestling since they were little, have gotten a wrestling, you know, it's just a different mindset. It's you versus somebody else, right? Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. it's not, no, it, you can have a team in big quotes, but at the end of the day, it's you and a dude in a singlet that's trying to murder you. <laughs> yes. Right. So like <laughs> you end up having this like special mindset. So this story, I mean, I'm like, again, like I said, I was, I said in the beginning, I was blown away by your story. And I only know the cliff notes, but this is just such a powerful one. And I think pivoting in this, just the empathy and the fact that to get yourself in that uncomfortable spot, uh, that I think that's such a great list, lesson for the people that are listening right now. Yeah, so true. It's, it's very applicable to what we're going through right now. We don't know how bad the
1: economy is going to get. It could mm-hmm. be another recession like 2008, mm-hmm. but I promise you good things can come out of those situations. I mean, there's so many big companies nowadays, Airbnb, Uber, et cetera, that have Come from those times where, Mm -hmm. you know, we were like, well, what are we going to do for money? How are we going to get through this? It forces people to be creative, to see their situation from a different perspective. Like, all right, what can I do? Because here I was with a cushy job, you know, financial analyst, and then, you know, to be honest with you, to make money in the beginning, actually went from that cushy office job to doing manual labor, just whatever it took Mm -hmm. to bring money in. While I was getting certified as a personal trainer, I went and did manual labor jobs, like construction work, just because that's all I could find for the time mm-hmm. being. And like I said, I, I don't have an ego when it comes to that. I was like, I got to do what I got to do to support my family. Yeah. Eventually, I did a, a complete 180 – or, yeah, a complete 180, I am sure, make sure I said that right, and went to the medical field mm-hmm. just because that was like an opportunity. Even though I had no background in it, I went to the medical field to feed my family while doing this personal training thing and then fit to, to fit came out of that in 2011 and here we are today you know almost 10 years later this is the longest
0: job i've ever had <laughs> wow i mean it's but again it's the it's kind of shedding the ego because you have to survive right yes. like it's survival it's, it's not about it wasn't about drew it was about your family right yes. it wasn't about you, you you know your friends that you used to hang out with that, you know, that so you this financial analyst job saying, oh, man, you're working construction now that 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 was an important, right? It's like yeah. I got mouths to feed, bro. So that's what I'm going to worry about. So that's man. That's man. That's a beautiful story, man. That's a beautiful first story. So you're you're setting this bar so high for any <laughs> other guest. It's going to be like people are going to shy away from it. So yeah. that was a great first story, man. Well, thank you. And the, the other one is kind
1: of more of a personal one. Um, and like I said, there's so many stories, but this one really has um, defined who I am today. And it has to do with vulnerability. Uh, mm-hmm. I grew up in this, you know, kind of like the wrestling culture, football culture of vulnerability is a weakness. Hey, you, mm-hmm. you, you got feelings. We don't talk about those things. All right. You mm-hmm. suppress them. You man up. You don't talk about those things. And so for me, from a very young age, I learned how to suppress and hide my weaknesses. And um a defining moment for me and i've talked about this only i think once on my podcast wow uh there was a couple of defining moments for me where i was like you know what i i definitely am, am embracing vulnerability as a weakness i remember i was so i grew up in a very religious household mm-hmm. very strict religion where we weren't allowed to you know drink and and do all these things um and so i remember one time you know i was i was kind of going through this phase of like um discovering who I was. And so I Mm -hmm. wanted to be accepted by people. So I gave in to peer pressure. And as a teenager, I was, I I drank with some friends and, um, uh, we were taking pictures of me drinking at this party. Mm -hmm. And of course I felt so ashamed and guilty because I knew it was bad, but I was doing it to, you know, when you're a kid, you kind of are discovering who you are. And so anyways, I brought those pictures home with me and put them in my backpack And one day I went to look for them to like hide them somewhere better. And they were gone.
0: Oh man. And I was like, Oh no, like
1: someone found them. Like I'm dead. Like, you know, this is back before the days of TMZ. (laughs) So, so anyways, a few days go by and my, my parents finally say, Drew, we need to talk to you. And my heart sunk. I knew what was about to happen. And, and you know, like I said, we didn't grow up in a household where it was okay to talk about emotions or Mm -hmm. feelings or, or struggles. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I remember going up to my parents' room. My mom was on the bed. My dad's just standing over there by her. And she's like, you know, we found these pictures. And she starts crying. And she's like, where did we go wrong? Like kind of making me feel really guilty. You know, what did we do as parents to, to, you know, why did you do this? Like our hearts are broken. And I felt so awful. I remember I couldn't even look at them. It was so uncomfortable. I had to turn away, look outside the window of their bedroom. And I couldn't even face them. And my dad. You know, I, I don't, and I have no hard feelings towards my parents, the way they handled this, because I know they did the best they could. Yeah. My dad just kind of yelling at me, You're stupid. Why would you do this? Like, you're a stupid kid. Like, you don't do this stuff. And, and my mom's over there crying, like the guilt trip. And I just, I wanted to jump out the window. Yeah. It was such an awful experience for me to be found out. Yeah. I was like, You know what? I am never telling you guys anything again. I'm never telling anyone my weaknesses ever again. Yeah. So I was like, I'm just going to, embrace vulnerability as a weakness and hide my stories, hide Mm -hmm. my shame and pretend it doesn't exist. And that, that eventually broke me because I went through um, a divorce, uh, you know, after being married for 10 years, Mm because I would hide stuff from her because Mm -hmm. I was like, you know what? This is my survival technique. I'm not going to tell you because it's going to hurt you. And I'm going to feel even more shame about myself because I already hate who I am because I'm not perfect. Mm -hmm. And it creates, it, it created this vicious cycle of hiding those weaknesses i think as men it's so easy to do that because our mm-hmm. culture tells us that's what we're supposed to do mm-hmm. and so so anyways that's how i handled it and i eventually hit rock bottom after my divorce um i i eventually left my religion around the same time as my divorce and those are two defining things that create your identity right your sure. your religion and you know your marriage of course sure and so It wasn't until I hit rock bottom that I was willing to do anything to help me get out of the situation. The shame was so powerful. The guilt of who I was was so powerful. I needed, and I was open to trying anything. So I started doing therapy and Mm -hmm. life coaching and reading books. Uh, Brene Brown, for example, her book, Daring Greatly. Mm -hmm. If you're a man out there that you struggle with something similar, I challenge you to read that book Mm -hmm. and it will give you the courage, maybe not right away, but eventually to hopefully embrace vulnerability as a strength instead of what society has taught you and ingrained in you that it is a weakness. And Mm -hmm. once, once I was able to heal myself and this took years, like I said, I didn't read the book and the next day I'm like, all right, you guys, here's my story. It took me years to get, have that courage And, um, you know, who was another influential person in this was seeing Terry Cruz. We all love him. He's a funny Mm -hmm. actor. He's this big, you know, man's man. You know, we all are jealous of his muscles and his pecs, Mm. you know, and those old spice commercials. Um, (laughs) I remember he did a Facebook live while I was going through this talking about, uh, porn addiction. And I Mm -hmm. was like, what? Terry Cruz is talking about this uh, in public? Like, how does he have the guts and the courage to talk about something that most men would be so afraid to admit sure, um, because of the shame around that. Mm-hmm. So once I remember seeing that and then doing this work, this internal work, I got to a place where I was uh, uh, brave enough to step into the arena, like Brene Brown talks about and share my story and own it from a place of healing, not from a place of oversharing. Like, Hey, look at me. This is my, look what I did. It was more so like, here's what I went through. Here's where I was. Here's how I healed myself and got myself out of that. And so now I can come and own my story, embrace vulnerability as a strength in hopes to help other men who have been stuck in this situation where I was stuck. And I promise you, if you go down that path, it will eventually break you. Or living a life inauthentically sucks your soul away slowly, Mm -hmm. right, where you have to wear a mask every single day, pretend you're this person that you're, you're not. And it slowly sucks away your soul, and um, so that was that was another powerful story. Who has defined who I am?
0: Yeah, wow, I, I, that again resonates with me right away because being a man and growing up and seeing the images that you see on TV and the movies that you see on TV of men not crying and even on TV, you know, fathers telling their sons like "suck it up," you know, rub some dirt on yes. it, you know, blah blah <laughs> blah. Uh, I, you know, growing up in us with my mom raising us. Uh, it wasn't the fact that she told us to like man up or whatever. It's just the fact that she was working so much. I was like, ah, well, you know, I don't want to burden her with anything. Yeah. So I kept everything. Like I was telling you on your podcast, like I kept everything inside as well. So hearing you, I, I think for me, Drew, like and also, I was going to ask you when you had, you know, when you started having kids, did that vulnerability start to happen slowly? Like that maybe that you didn't even know that sort of kind of open up. Cause when I had my son, it kind of, it really opened up things for me where I was able to like, you know, show emotion and and cry and, and realize it was like, okay.
1: Yeah. It, the having, so yeah, that's a good question. I remember before my first daughter, I read a book called strong fathers, strong daughters. And for any dads out there that have little girls, Mm -hmm. I challenge you to read this book too, because it shifts your perception of how important a father's role is in a daughter's life. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've seen the opposite of that. I've seen, You know, like I said, nothing against my dad. He didn't know how to embrace vulnerability either or show love. But my my sisters, with because he didn't know how to. He's never said I love you to this day to me. By the way, wow. Um, And and he never said it to them. You know, he never showed them love, and they struggled with just choosing the wrong guys, like Mm. just bad dudes, just because they. I I feel like girls. Daughters learn how to love from their moms, but they mm-hmm. learn how to be loved from their dads. Yeah. And so if a dad doesn't know how to show love to his daughter, they just kind of go for anyone that gives them attention. Yeah. So and they grow up with that self-confidence and so or with that the lack of self-confidence and the lack of self-esteem to choose a guy that is worthy of treating them right. And so for me, having, yes, a, a, a kid helped me um, – Uh, embrace start to embrace vulnerability as a strength Mm. I still went through rock bottom years later after having my first daughter but that was kind of one of the things where I'm like I need to take this father role so seriously because I'm having girls and uh, like that that role is so important to me after reading that book
0: yeah it's like the theme and you know I kind of want to you know start wrapping it up with this is like the theme for me in your story and a lot of stories that I encounter with people including my own it's that you know, getting to that rock bottom stage, if it's monetary, if it's emotionally, if it's spiritually, if it's, you know, in health wise, and then just building yourself back up and having that mental fortitude, and that self awareness to understand that I'm not my circumstances right now, I've got got to do something. And it just seems like the two stories that you shared, it's you being self aware and realizing at some point, Like this path is not a good path. Like the path I'm going down right now, whether emotionally or financially, whatever it is, like I have to change some things and then taking the action because people think that change is just thought. Like that's the, that's the seed. But then you have to actually put the work in, like you have to actually lose the 75 pounds. You know, <laughs> it'd have been it would have been yeah, cool yeah. if you would have been like, oh, I'm gonna gain 75 pounds, and then it turns into hundred because you're like, oh, I don't want to work to get it off. You know, like it wouldn't be fit to fat to fit, it'd be just fit to fat, to fatter, <laughs> to, to fat as hell, you know. Yeah. So I just think the story, Drew, is the two stories you shared are beautiful ones, and you know, from to hear a strong, you know, man talk about vulnerability it gives me so much hope for our boys and it's, it's having a son for me just telling him like, bro, it's okay to cry, man. It's okay to open up, you know, it's okay to be, to have that. That doesn't make you weak because you have emotion, you know, it doesn't make you weak because your dad's going to hug you every day and tell you, tell you he loves you, you know? So I, I I can't thank you enough for for coming on and and being one of our first guests, Drew, like you're an amazing dude. I want to, I want you to tell people all the ways they can find you, they can follow you, they can support you. Can you just let that out right now so they can, so they can do that. Thank you. Yeah.
1: It's, it's super simple. It's just fit. Number two, fat number two, fit. That's my website. My social media handles just fit to fat to fit. And uh, that's my podcast. My first book you'll find out, find everything. It's, I try and keep it consistent.
0: Drew, I appreciate you brother. Uh, Man, it's been an honor. And for all you boys and girls that are out there listening Uh, It's been another version of Storytellers. Please, please, please pass it on. Thank you.